episode 67 of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark Darrow. I've got a little bit of congestion, as you can hear right now, and I'm joined in the studio, in four-stream studio this afternoon, by one and only Jonathan Hafes. Yeah, man. I just I didn't think about this, so you just said this is episode 67. I'm preaching 67. Psalm 67. Whoa. This Sunday, yeah. Weird. We're in the twilight zone, apparently. Weird. Didn't plan that. And Brad is not here for this podcast, and he <sighs> won't be here on Sunday either. So. Yeah. Well, he's not here today because of the continuing saga that is Brad's yard project. Oh I'm sure we'll hear all about it next week. Yeah, we don't even need to Well, talk actually, about I guess two weeks when, he, when he'll be back. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Um, but, yeah, how was your Memorial Day? Was it all right? Yeah, man. Just kind of chilled out. I took the kiddos fishing uh, a little bit, and then we just hung out with friends and did a whole lot of nothing. Ate brats and watched uh, baseball. And yeah. You know. Well, speaking of baseball, we went to a Barons game last night. Oh, did night. you? Yeah. Took the, took the whole family to the Barons game. We got there, tried to get there early. We got some free T-shirts. They were doing a T-shirt giveaway nice. to the first 1,000 fans. So we got there early, got some T-shirts. It was $1 hot dog night. So we just had a great time. Just enjoy. Awesome. The weather was beautiful. We sat out kind of in the general admission area, the field, and uh, we just had a nice time out. You no, know, we should do field. that. We should do that exact thing with all of Shades. I agree, Jonathan. We should. You know, ironically, yeah, June 29th. June 29th. Free T-shirt night. Is that a Tuesday night it's as well? It's a Tuesday night. So one dollar hot dog night. Whoa. We already have 25 tickets to take Shades no way. to the Barons. You're hearing it first right, right here. here, everybody, on Shades Midweek. Hearing it from the midweek. You know. so, so, how yeah. should, so how should people claim their tickets? I don't how even know. We, we, haven't, <laughs> we, haven't even, we haven't even talked about how we're doing oh, this yet. Oh, we let the cat out of the bag too early. <laughs> no, we, we'll start announcing it. Uh, probably not this Sunday, but the, the next. And we'll have tickets available that people – because it's just – it's we got a group rate, so it's like 7 bucks. It's yeah. just – the general admission sit in the grass, just like you described. Yep. Um, so we can all go hang out. Yeah, connect. you're you're allowed to bring blankets. We brought a blanket in last night. Sweet. Um, man, it was awesome. The one dollar hot dogs, you can't beat that, especially if you're right. on a budget. You bring in the whole family. I mean, you have like a million kids, so you know you got to buy so many hot dogs. Oh. So. Well, you know, and I mean, it's really the only true dollar menu that exists. That's like, true. there's no such thing as a real dollar menu anymore. Very true. Very true. But. Anyway, well, let's move along. You got an album for us? Yes, I do. James album of the week. All right, this week uh, I'm going pretty mainstream, pretty well known. This week, uh, don't know if you've ever heard of this person before. A uh, little songwriter named Bruce Springsteen. Also known as the boss, Bruce. Bruce who? <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Man, uh, I really there was an album that I really wanted to highlight that I actually started getting back into in the last week or so. It randomly popped into my mind. I was like, I really want to listen to that. Uh, he actually had an album released in 2012 called Wrecking Ball, um, and uh, this was actually before the Miley Cyrus song Wrecking Ball. Uh, just for <laughs> all those who are curious. Bruce's came first, and um, man, this album is just, this was kind of a return to form for him. I feel like this was his best record since probably, he did a record uh, post 9-11 called The Rising that was really, really strong and had a couple of big songs on it, and so this one was kind of a return to 
that heartland rock rock and roll kind of a feel uh some of the east street band played on it he had a tour afterwards that i actually got to see him uh nice. with with john ball john ball and i drove to atlanta and got to see him in the east street band on this tour and it was it was one of the loudest concerts i've ever <laughs> been to uh it was so stinking good but this album uh he wrote a lot of the songs in 2011 there are some. There were actually some older songs that he re-recorded that they had only done live versions of previously, and he re-recorded a couple of those. Um, it's a very political album. Uh, it kind of is coming off the heels of the economic recession that we had, kind of, what was that, 2007, 2008, kind of leading into that. So there's a lot of, you know... Uh, Political kind of protesty type songs, uh, economic injustice. Protesty. Protesty. I like that word. (laughs) So, um, but man, I love this album. It's full of a lot of great songs. The songwriting is awesome. There's actually a couple of songs that he uses a lot of religious imagery in, um, some a little bit of gospel roots, some things like that. So definitely check that out if you've never listened to it. Bruce Springsteen. Wrecking Ball. Check that out. It's my album of the week. You know, I actually knew who Max Weinberg was before I knew who Bruce Springsteen was. (laughs) That's a true story. I believe that. Because of Conan. Right. Yeah. So for people who don't know, Max Weinberg's the drummer. Yes. uh, For the E Street Band, right? Yes, for the E Street Band. He's like, (laughs) and he's like the most jazz drummer that that plays for a rock and roll band. It's one of the strangest things ever. You never think that it would fit, but somehow it does. Yeah. So, well, Brad is gone this week, but I bet you that if I play this song, this jingle of his, that something will happen after I play it. I just wanted to be obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm trying to offend Brad as hard as possible by stealing his segments and see, you know. Well, if he's not here, the since he chose to stealing. prioritize his yard, you know, over the pod, then then fine. I'm going to steal his segment. Yep. And, you know, I thought to myself, I could do. I could do what Brad does. I could be, you know, snooty and esoteric and mm. choose some lofty theological work or some, you know, obscure poet or whatever. But, you know. I'm not going to do that. I'm not actually, you know, Brad doesn't do that, whatever. Anyway, um, but no, I had a lot of different directions I wanted to go. Yeah. But ultimately, I was like, I- I'm going to go in what is probably the most surprising direction. And I went with one of my favorite children's books of all time. Oh, wow. Which may not be so surprising since the one book recommendation I've given on Bradford's uh, book club has been a children's book. <laughs> Um, but yes, I'm, I'm sensing a thing. Yeah, yeah I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to go with it, you know, because I thought I was like, I was like, I could give a you know, theological work or or one of my favorite fantasies or I could be really stereotypical and just recommend Lord of the Rings, you know, right. or right. something like that. But this is, I kid you not, one of my favorite children's books ever. And uh, it is The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. And I don't know that that's how you say his name. Juster, Juster, Huster, whatever. It's J-U-S-T-E-R. 
Um, I encountered this not as a book, but as a film first. And I can't remember when the film was made. It was before I was born. It was probably in like the 60s, the 70s, something like that. Um, and my parents had recorded it off of TV onto VHS. And I loved it as a kid. And then I encountered the book eventually and loved it even more. I've read this book out loud to my children. Um, and just, it's it's fantastic. Um, so just to read you a little bit of the uh, the product description right here on the old Amazon. It says, mm-hmm. with almost 5 million copies sold 60 years after its original publication, generations of readers have now enjoyed with Milo, have now journeyed with Milo, that's the main character, to the lands beyond in this beloved classic. The wit, wisdom, and wordplay of Norton Schuster's offbeat fantasy are as beguiling as ever. I want to read that part. I don't want to tell you what the book's about. I want you to just go read it. Um, it's fantastic. And it is my recommendation in my stolen segment of Bradford's Book Club this week. Well, that is really cool. That's really unique. The Phantom Tollbooth. Yeah, I, I did a quick Wikipedia search. It looks like the film came out in 1970. There you go. Uh, also known as The Adventures of Milo in The Phantom Tollbooth. Yes. Uh, 1970 American live action animated fantasy film. Yeah, so think like any any things like think like Narnia, like uh, right kids being transported to a fantastical yeah. place. It's it's like that, but I think the reason I love it is I I love language, I love words, I love poetry, I love all yeah, of these things, yeah. and it's it's really a, a a book about education, and and it I mean it is kind of a critique of the educational system and this that and the other. Um, <laughs> we won't get into all that, uh, but. Um, just what he does uh, with wordplay and ah, uh, oh, it's beautiful. It's awesome. That's cool. That's a great wreck. I love it. Thank you for stealing Brad's segment this week. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, what are we doing today? Well, before I tell you, I think we should oh, take yeah. a trip down to the email corridor. Almost forgot about the email corridor. Wow. Okay. Email quarter. So, so we got an email uh, through the website. Yeah, a special email this week. This is our first email we've gotten from a listener we don't know. Yes. I mean, I'm assuming this person does not actually physically go to Shades Valley Community Church. So, Dale. I'm assuming. Dale. I don't know. We're, we're talking about Dale. Dale Anton. A N T O N? Dale Anton. Dale Anton. Yeah. Dale, if you go to Shades. <laughs> Uh, we apologize greatly, especially if we've met you before. But we need right. to know. Dale, email us right. uh, midweek at shadesvalley.org and let us know, do you go to Shades? Do you live in Birmingham? We may have social media stalked you and can't figure <laughs> any of this information out. Um, so, And if if not, tell us how you heard about the show and and how much you listen and all that. So, But yeah, Dale's been listening and Dale emailed in. Yeah, and uh, here's what Dale had to say. Good morning, Shades Midweek, episode 66. Hmm, just 600 away from the Beast episode. (laughs) (laughs) He should check out our Revelation series we did last year. Was a wonderful conversation about human behavior. Uh, He's talking about our previous episode uh, titled Cult of Personality. If you haven't listened to that, you can go back and check that out. Uh, very, very good episode. One more very would have pushed it into the realm of great, but I need <laughs> to hold back on great to ensure you don't think you've peaked. 
I enjoyed the discussion as it causes me to pause and consider my own thinking relative to my devotion and worship of Christ. Mm. Thank you for a wonderful dose of humor, history, and thought each week. The Bob Dylan shout-out was informative and delightful. There we go. Keep serving and representing our king, Dale. Dale, wow. you, Dale you made our day. He's a, he's a great writer. He's a great writer of emails, number he, one. He has great taste. He has great as taste. well. I mean, obviously, in right. his podcast choices. Yeah, so. just thank you for listening. I don't know how you found us. Tell us about your friends. Email us back. Let's, I don't know. Who knows what's, what's going to happen? Let's talk. I don't, I don't know where this is going to lead. Let's talk, Dale. Oh, anyway. That's awesome. Well, that's that's a trip down to the email corridor. You can always email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. Uh, maybe there's an episode that you loved. Maybe you'd like to critique something that we said, although know. we're rarely wrong oh, about word. things. I don't know how I mean, that would be possible. How is that? I don't even know. But <laughs> um, definitely email us. We, we'd love uh, to hear from you. You can also leave a review on iTunes as well if you like the if you like the podcast, leave us leave us a review over there. So, awesome. Well, so today what we're doing is we actually had the chance to sit down with Josh and Meg McClung, um, a family from Shades that have been working with YWAM and entering into the missionary life over the last year, and we were able to sit down and catch up with them as they're home for just a little bit. And so we're going to play that interview for you now. Well, today on Midweek, we are fortunate enough to have with us none other than the McClunks. Josh and Meg, in the flesh. How's it going, everybody? In the Four Stream Studio. The studio's changed a little bit since the last time y'all were here. It's made some upgrades. It's yeah. very nice. Very Moving nice. on up in the world. Got some shelving with our quintessential DVD collection over there. I was behind. I was going to do this. <laughs> you said their name. <laughs> That's perfect. The live That's audience, <laughs> you know, they were just delayed. So we there were asking you go. To hold so their applause. Now they're yes. Okay. So the McClungs. Uh, but yeah, perfect. yeah. But no, we're glad to have y'all back. So uh, really quick before, like we launch mm-hmm. too far into things, how about for anybody who's listening who doesn't know who y'all are and what we mm-hmm. even mean when we say that y'all are back? Uh, how about just like a quick introduction mm-hmm. and just a little bit of your story? Okay. You don't have to we like. Gotta, there, we, there, we did record an episode with yeah. y'all. Many months ago, and they can go back and listen to that one. So you don't have to like share a ton, but just quick. Me and Meg just side eye each other all the time to <laughs> see who's going to answer it. But yeah. I'll, I'll go, I guess. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we've been in and out of the Shades community for 22 ish years, 23 maybe. I started going to the youth group here as a teenager. And then on a, we actually met through the Shades youth group here on a trip to Cornerstone when Meg's older sister Park, who many people that are familiar with Shades know, um, was leading a youth group and Meg came back from the summer from wow, Budapest. you're going way back. Budapest. I'm just saying how yeah. we met. This okay. is just the story. Okay, go ahead. You can take over anytime. No, go ahead. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, so we met through uh, the youth group here. We got married when we were 22 and um, continued going through Shades. I was part of the mission team, served on the elder team for a little bit, and then uh, throughout that time, through different trips that we took to Poland multiple times and on a trip that um, Shades and a lot of people went to to Cambodia, uh, we felt God calling us to full-time ministry. And some of the people that had left Shades before um, that had joined YWAM were impactful for that. And Meg's sister that's in Poland now and serves with YWAM also helped kind of um, kind of set the stage for what we would 
pursue later on, and especially going into Cambodia and seeing uh, the lackeys and Hudsons and their ability to do ministry and full-time missions while raising children and having their children come alongside of them um, while they're in a foreign country was very impactful to me and some of the things that I was able to uh, kind of be um, inspired by. And so as we started having children and having a family, we continued to look for opportunities to pursue that mission. And then that led us to last summer and leaving to go to YWAM in Texas. Yeah. So the last time we talked with y'all, it was right before y'all were headed right. to Texas for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost a year ago now. Yeah. Or yeah maybe probably exactly actually, a year ago. Yeah. Right. We left, left in June last which year. Which is nuts. Yeah. That is which crazy. Is, it's been nuts. Yeah. It's been a crazy year. <laughs> y'all, so, y- so y'all went to yeah. this YWAM base in Tyler, mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. whole family. Y'all have two kiddos. Right. Yep. Uh, Oliver and Reimer. How mm-hmm. old are they now? Mm-hmm. Oliver's seven. Reimer is almost four. Yeah. In it's August. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. I know. It's just ridiculous. Okay. So, so let's pretend like, you know, uh, pretend like John, y'all have obviously shared mm-hmm. with us like different things. But uh, but yeah, so you've gone to YWAM where you primarily did training and mm-hmm. then you had uh, like a, a mission experience in uh, New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Orleans, Denver and Bemidji, Minnesota. Yes. That was with our DTS okay. outreach. Yeah, our family DTS. And then subsequently after that, there was another phase of training Yes. before... Are we allowed to say where y'all went? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Before, <laughs> before you went to Lebanon. Yeah. 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 So why, why don't you just, uh, for people who are completely unfamiliar with YWAM, right. why not just give them a little bit of idea of like, what is DTS or mm-hmm. what, what are all these acronyms? Yeah. YWAM, <laughs> DTS. It's full of acronyms. Everything um, is. Yeah. You know, so what, what is DTS? And y'all uh-huh. specifically did a family one. Right. And, and what's that designed to do? Uh-huh. All that kind of thing. Okay, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, started back in the 60s, um, and, uh, oh, look, there's a sticker right there on your water bottle, Mm -hmm. and um, it is a originally youth-driven ministry uh, mission organization, and over the last, what, 60 years has really grown into families, older singles, older married couples, right. like pretty much anybody at any point in your life, you can get involved with YWAM in some, in some capacity. I've never heard of an organization that had a really specific acronym that later expanded to be really. Right. <laughs> right. I know it's a little bit deceptive. I'm just making them fun of the YMCA. The Young Men's <laughs> Christian Association that now it's like nothing to do with uh, young men. Yeah. Or anyway. yeah, that's true. So, yeah. um, yeah, last year we did our family DTS, and a DTS is a discipleship training school, and um, it focuses on building a foundation of um, intimacy with the Father, and really um, learning about and developing your identity in Christ. And um, our so that was our first school. We did three months and then a two months of outreach. And then we went back in January to do the school of evangelism, which if you, if you break it down into two parts, the DTS is the first part. It's more inward focused, inward upward. Um, And then the school of evangelism is more outward focused. So it's learning how to um, be evangelistic (laughs) as as you can imagine. Um, And then we did a a two month outreach with that as well. And that, um, that school was not family specific. So we had um, singles, we had older singles, like Hmm. into the Mm sixties, we had a married couple and we had two two, uh, families with kids. So it was really diverse group. And um, 
the next step for us will be staff with YWAM. And um, so you can do all kinds of things. You can do just the DTS. You can do School of Evangelism. You can go on staff with YWAM. You can pioneer bases in other places and other countries. Um, there's pretty much – actually, they also have – uh, SST in the summer, which is for like 13 to 17 year olds. Right, oh wait, oh, that's a new acronym. Yes, <laughs> that is actually that I don't even know. It's summer, season, summer, of, season service of service and, and training. training. No, yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel better We're that I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. One. We don't know. We don't know all of them. Yeah, 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 but like I was saying, I mean, you can pretty much there's it's yeah, it covers the gamut. You can do all kinds of stuff um, in youth with a mission. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool because it it's multi denominational. Um, we get to choose, or not really, I won't say we get to choose, but we get to go where the Lord is leading us to go rather than like being sent somewhere or having like this, this criteria that we have to meet and then getting brought home if things don't go the way they're supposed to go. So it's, it's very spirit led and, um, it's been an, yeah, an amazing experience for us mm-hmm. with our kids, especially cause it's very dynamic. And your, and y'all's kids don't just get to be a part of the training. Like they're with you on outreach, even when you were right. in Lebanon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They were part of the team, not I, just along for the ride. I, I really want to focus in on and hear more about the, the outreach mm-hmm. stuff. But before that, I have just one like curious aside, uh-huh. Because you were in Texas during the insane, oh, like, yeah, Texas that blizzard. Was, that was yes. Oh, yeah. So what was it like to be there? It was, I mean, we were, so we were in Minnesota a few months before and had gotten about six inches of snow, which isn't normal. It wasn't abnormal, but it was in October. Yeah, so we weren't like prepared for that either very much. But then we came to Texas, of course, and in, in January, and we didn't bring any of our heavy winter stuff, nothing, no oh boots, no yeah. anything like that. So we got a little bit of snow. In January, yeah, like right? one day, like and one day, and it, it snowed the and then day. it melted, and it was like, oh, that was, that was funny fun. that we got Texas yeah. snow. <laughs> and then <laughs> people are talking again, like, oh, it's going to snow again, and we're like, what? And then, I mean, it started. We started looking at the the temperatures, and we could see a week out, it was going to be zero degrees yeah. and negatives in Texas. Yeah. Um. So then it started snowing, and then everything started just getting locked. I mean, it's one of those areas that's similar to here where they don't salt the roads or anything. Right, nobody right, has yeah. nobody has cars prepared it's to drive right. on it. It's just, yeah, it. yeah, the whole thing just starts to collapse. And yeah. we were, I mean, the, even the base itself, it's been there 60 years and it's probably never experienced that level of Yeah, uh, no, I mean, the, uh, there frozen, had not uh, been a snow like that in over a yeah. hundred years. Yeah. Did, so y'all lo- did y'all lose power? We didn't lose no, power. Our and house didn't lose power. I mean, things were, ha- like, we have no a, busted um, pipes we have yeah, a, we a workplace uh, similar to Facebook for the, for the entire base. Okay, and there's, yeah. they're posting everything that's happening. So pipes were just bursting around yeah. the base. Oh my goodness. Water was getting locked up. I mean, even if the pipes weren't bursting, the water within the pipe was frozen and yeah. potentially ready to burst. Yeah. Right. We lost water in our, I think in kitchen. our kitchen and maybe one of the, maybe one of the showers bathrooms. or something. We never lost power, but we wow. were able to. Yeah kind of make it through that and just kind of mostly stayed in the house that we were in. Yeah. The the alarming part of of it was that, (laughs) um, our, our base is on well water. And if the power went out, like not only could, could they not pump water in, but also they can't pump sewage out. (laughs) So (laughs) like literally people were coming around house to house, Uh bringing Lowe's buckets and like makeshift yeah. toilet seats in case oh. we yeah. had to yeah. go to the bathroom <laughs> little, buckets and we were little like little grocery store bags please god let there, it not yeah. they had one that. for every room you gotta yeah. take it outside yeah. in the zero uh-huh, degrees just sit outside Oh, wow. Yeah, that never happened. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. No, sorry, that was just to satisfy my own curiosity yeah. because, yeah. I mean, obviously we saw was, all the pictures and videos yeah, and stuff, crazy. but just y'all being there. Yeah, I mean, we did see, I mean, there were definitely some difficult situations yeah. that people mm-hmm. were going through. We went and visited a neighborhood where me and Oliver got out one day. We tried to go 
deliver meals, but there was n- people that had been without power for like days, four or five days and they're in just yeah. in their indoor temperature was 20, 30 degrees. Yeah. If that, so That's crazy. Yeah, tough situation for a lot of people. Well, um, I, I, I'd, love to hear more um about the outreaches um mm-hmm. y- y'all were able after the first outreach mm-hmm. where you went to the couple of different cities right. uh in the states you were able to come back and share with shades right yeah. um but uh haven't yet ho- hopefully y'all are going to be able to share a little bit this sunday yeah, this um about your experience in lebanon but obviously here we've got mm-hmm. like you know, no parameters we <laughs> yeah. can talk about whatever for however long we want to yeah so i mean we'd just love to hear about the overall experience yeah. and any specific stories you want to tell or just what what that was like how it was different mm-hmm. from your first outreach mm-hmm. here in the states just yeah so okay I'll I'll just give a kind of an overview of like what we did um like I said our school of evangelism was a little bit different because we didn't have just families and so that in and of itself made the outreach very different and we we also thought that we were going to be stateside the whole time like we were with our DTS because things still were not very open like we were looking at locations and I mean they start looking at them in January when the school starts so January February March we're looking at locations and um and then it started we started getting like hints that maybe we were going to need our passports and because the staff make the they pray and make the decision. It's not really up to the students. Um, and once it's decided, then they let us know. Well, we found out we were going to Lebanon, and I guess it was like early March, mm-hmm. and we were st- like stunned. Like we could not believe one that we were going out of the country, and two that we were going to the Middle East. Um, and so I, I guess like maybe my first mm-hmm. thoughts were: Had like, either of y'all been? To no, the Middle East no, before? we've never been yeah, to the Middle East. Nobody on our team had even been. Well, mm-hmm. Somebody been to Israel, wow. but uh, yeah, but we. We shall not name names because mm-hmm. that's not yeah. allowed. <laughs> you can't go to Israel and go to Lebanon. Yeah, that's what Josh was telling yeah. me, oh. was yeah. that if you have an yeah, Israel If you have an Israeli visa, stamp in mm-hmm. your passport, they yeah. will not let you into Lebanon. Yeah. So we were literally on the border, like two hours from Israel, and we, we couldn't go. It was yeah. kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. But um, anyway, so also the other surprising part about our um, – outreach was that usually we'll do like two weeks stateside and uh, like a month international so uh they actually told us like we're going to spend the full seven weeks in Lebanon which is I don't even know if they've ever done that before maybe but maybe not and um which is awesome because in Middle Eastern cultures it's a very like relational like hospitality shame honor based culture so in order to even like attempt to share the gospel, you have to build relationships with people. And mm-hmm. so that gave us like this extended amount of time that we were going to be there, which was awesome. Um, and then uh, we were also, we were working with some, um, some YWAMers that were already there. So there's already, there were already ministries established for us. So we kind of got a heads up of like what we were going to be doing while we were there. And um, we also had a, a little bit of prep time where like we kind of broke into teams and people tried to prepare as much as they could for what we expected. However, it ended up not being really anything like what we expected, <laughs> um, of course. But, um, yeah, it was like a little bit nerve wracking thinking about taking our kids to the middle East. Um, but then we started doing research and, and just like intercessory prayer for the country, for the people. And really the Lord just like made it, made us feel totally okay. Um, so that was cool. And, um, yeah, we had, we ended up taking a team of 22 people that included the kids and like three kind of ancillary staff people that were not in our school. And, um, yeah, we were there for seven weeks and what else? 
that's kind of an overview, I guess. Yeah, that's so that was our SOE. And during D2S, we stayed stateside. Yeah. And we went to, we were supposed to go to Puerto Rico, but it got shut oh, down yeah, from that's right. COVID concerns. So that was when we went to New Orleans, Denver, and Bemidji, Minnesota. And yeah. Ministry looked a lot different in each city that we went to. Um, New Orleans, I think a lot of people associate it with, um, I guess, like the witchcraft scene and yeah, like, like the voodoo, voodoo yeah, sure, sure. kind of stuff. But it really was way more hospitable and receptive to the gospel than we than we initially thought. And we were able to meet with a lot of, we did a lot of homeless ministry there, um, mm-hmm. pray for people under the bridge. And they have a, a mission house that um, we were able to do a couple services at that has people stay overnight. And they have a mm-hmm. discipleship program where people can come in and if they commit to a year, they can live there and they wow. can get trained and get teaching. And it's a really amazing ministry they have there. And we also were able to have a, a kids club in the afternoons for a week that was in a very low income neighborhood that um, had experienced some pretty, uh, pretty violent um, activity in the past yeah. week. There was a policeman 24 hours. They had had a drive by where I think a four year old had gotten killed. Yeah, three or four so it was a very yes. hard neighborhood, but the kids were just, phenomenal and just the getting to spend time with them was really life-giving for us and it's another one of those opportunities where you can bring your kids along and they built such a bridge with other children and then you see the parents start getting involved and you start to develop relationships further and then from there we went to denver so we did a lot of driving on our last trip. We did a lot oh, of flying. Yeah. And it was all run, families, did, really, yeah. too. So that that's just such a different yeah, dynamic. So we, we had, had like six families? Six families, something yeah. like 15 kids all together, driving wow. in two 15-passenger vans. <laughs> yeah. from, oh, fun. So, you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a blast. Yeah. yeah. So every every trip, if it said four hours, it was going to be at least six. Oh, if it yeah, said six, it, was, it would be ten. Course. It was that time was and a half. That many tiny bladders. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we spent two weeks. So two weeks in each city. Two weeks New Orleans. Two weeks Denver. And that was probably the most difficult. I think of any trip we've been on, that was the most difficult. Yeah. It, to Cambodia, to Poland, to yeah. anywhere. And it was very much just the atmosphere of the city. I mean, they'd have a they'd have a big uptick in homelessness, but it wasn't very much. In New Orleans, you could walk up to a homeless guy and you could say, "Can I pray for you? Can I give you some water?" And right. In Denver, it was very much like, "I don't want your stuff. I don't want you to pray for me." Uh, and then it, a lot of them were either on drugs or had some kind of mm. um, mental issues as well. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. a very much a Denver has a very much of a younger population. I feel like of homelessness. Um, a lot of people go out there for the for the legality of drugs and for job opportunities, but through COVID had lost their jobs. So we'd see people. Um, sometimes they would say the kids can't even be around the homeless people. In yeah, this there were several things the kids couldn't um, do in Denver, wow. which was um, kind of. And That's we would get sad there, considering and ki- we were all families. I mean, we would right. see some. I felt like there was a very much a, a lot of spiritual warfare happening in that city when we would go to some of these streets where there was homeless camps. You'd see people start having seizures. People mm-hmm. just like wouldn't respond. Like we had to p- call the paramedics two or three times mm-hmm. just on walking around the uh, walking around homeless mm-hmm. camps trying to give people food and pray for them. And then Oliver had some very difficult. Only our kids had a hard time. Yeah, it's kind of the first time that I'd come to the realization that I am putting Oliver. Seven year old, he was six at the time, putting him into situations that, although they don't seem scary to me, are scary in his eyes. Yeah. And even when yeah. I feel safe, he potentially doesn't feel safe, even if right. I'm there and I'm with him. Um, the first night it happened, we were delivering food, and Megan Reimer had actually stayed back because they were going to be out too late, or we were going to be out too late, our team was. And we were taking food to these this neighborhood that was also very low income. Um, it was one of those neighborhoods where to get to the door, you have to go through a gate. Like there was a gate in each little yard, um, like mm-hmm. a metal gate so you'd have to go in there and sometimes there'd be dogs barking and dogs in the area so even to get to the food you couldn't just yell come out there's food you know you have to go up to the door 
and it got dark and just like for a week or two after that Oliver was having struggling with you know going to sleep at night or waking mm-hmm. up in the middle of the night he would be crying when we'd be putting him to bed and then even the home that we stayed in there it's a home that's hosted by or owned by um, the YWAM base and they have some of their staff staying there so we see these people as staff even if they're not part of our team but to him they're strangers and he's wondering why they're yeah. strangers staying, in the, staying in the house walking right. around at night if he gets up and goes to the bathroom or goes to the kitchen there's some stranger in the hallway yeah. we know they're a believer in their staff and they're fine but for him it's so it's very it's very enlightening to see kind of like how we how we do ministry as a family and how we take care of those kind of issues and to put our family first and kind of pull back if we need to if we're putting our kids in situations that are going to be hard for them. Right. Right. Um, But he really grew a lot. I think that week, I mean, even the next, so we were, we went to the neighborhood that first week and it was, I think it was called Globeville was the neighborhood. It's outside of Denver. Um, And they told us we're going back again next week. And we'd been praying over Oliver. We had called, we talked to Jeff, you know, our brother-in-law, he had prayed over him. We'd had our whole family praying for him and we were, we left him the choice. Do you want to go or not? And at the end of the day, when it was time to go, he said, yes, I'll go. So he was prepared to go and step into that again and go and minister to those people again. Um, but by God's grace, we didn't go to that neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> we actually went to another one. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was a very much a be- better experience. There was more children, more yeah. play. There was playgrounds. There was stuff. So, And then last uh, area we were in was Bemidji, Minnesota, and that was mostly for um, a church that had been planted by what well, had been revived at least by an 80-year-old former um, – well, he still was Indian, Native American mm-hmm. – but he had revived this church for Christian, like is a Christian church. Um, and there's not a lot of like Christianity within Native American communities, at least in this area. So there was only about 10 members in the church, I believe. And we went up there and hosted a vacation Bible school and invited kids from all over the reservation and the neighborhood. And we saw 20, 30 kids show up at, yeah, least, um, at least every night for, for a week. We fed them dinner and, um, had several receive Christ, um, several commit to coming to church on an ongoing basis. So it was one of those experiences where it was our first time being immersed in a community that we had no familiarity with. I've never really yeah, been, we had neither been one of us with, had never been on yeah, a reservation before yeah, on a reservation or with Native Americans like who still believe you know in very much the spiritual aspects that come along with Native American gods and Native American beliefs and praying to certain spirits and whatnot. So. There's very much a lot of spiritual warfare, but we saw a lot of growth and a lot of amazing things happen just by coming alongside of them and hosting an event, a VBS, and they decided to come to to our VBS, and we had a good time. Yeah, it was awesome. And we came back. So that was all the first outreach that we went to. Right. Three places. Yeah, the family outreach. Yeah, it was really cool. Okay, so then in Lebanon, Mm -hmm. we... which between between the outreaches, y'all were yeah. in the evangelism yeah, we school. Did the school right, evangelism. so we did the school evangelism. Which was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so good. The yeah. DTS was good. A lot of the information mm-hmm. was not new for us. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still like stretching and growing, yeah. especially like living in community so and living with other people. And But the school of evangelism mm-hmm. lecture phase was amazing. Like we had so mm-hmm. many amazing teachers. Um, so when we talk about lecture phase, it's like a... It's basically Monday through Friday, three hours ish in the morning, and then a couple hours in the afternoon of teaching. Yeah, for gotcha. twelve. Well, so, for it's twelve weeks long. Yeah, twelve weeks. About ten weeks of teaching, really. There's there's some small like outreaches we do to local places gotcha. around Tyler. We'll do 
we'll go pray over something or go do an outreach. But we do have a lot of teaching, and teachers come from. Yeah, they host all a teacher this, like one one yeah, teacher per week, really. So yeah, we I, have, I was so about to ask, yeah. are, are the teachers yeah, like so YWAM employees? Or are they like not all just of them? Not all, from all of them. over the place. So not yeah. all of them, but a lot of them are. But sure. even but from different base, mm-hmm. like base leaders from other bases. Um, I don't know, just people that they've built relationships with over the years. Yeah. Actually, our very first teacher was not a YWAM, not a YWAMer at all. Mm-hmm. Um, he was from Amarillo, Texas, just a pastor that somebody had made a connection with mm-hmm. on an outreach. Cool. And um, he taught prophetic evangelism. And that just kind of like set the tone for the whole sure. school. And it was amazing because he was he he was talking about it in a way that like where you're actually sharing like good news yeah. versus like the bad news, like, like you're going to hell and stuff like that. Like people like the turn and burn kind of (laughs) evangelism that some people, which is effective for some people, of course, but it was more like, this is like, how can I encourage you? How can I pray for you? How can I listen to the Holy spirit and hear like what the Lord wants to say to you? And, um, and God is good. Ultimately Mm -hmm. God is good. And, and it was just how to, how to share the gospel with people in a positive way Mm -hmm. where they are like where they're having a positive experience and experiencing God in a good way. Um, so yeah, that kind of set the tone for our whole lecture phase and it was, it just kind of went from there. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, we did that. That was first 12 weeks. And then like I said, we had seven weeks in Lebanon Mm -hmm. and, um, when we like got our debrief about what we were going to be doing there, uh, we were going to be working with an organization called play Play for Peace in Beirut. And I don't know if y'all know about play, play, play for peace. Yeah. P-L-A-Y. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like play soccer. Gotcha. 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 <laughs> play soccer. That's what peace. they do. Yeah. But in August of 2020, there was like a horrible explosion that happened in the, oh, yeah. in um, Beirut. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. In the port in Beirut. And it affected the whole city. I mean, it not mm. only did it damage like a ton of people's homes. Oh, wait, remind, remind me. So cause you, I know you just said, it but like mm-hmm. the timeline of 2020 is so jumbled in my head yeah. right so that was that was in august, august. Mm-hmm. and y'all went when we didn't go until mm-hmm. at the end of uh, march yeah the end of okay. march okay. so it all had right. been what like eight months or yeah, seven okay. months something like that all right go ahead sorry but that in the midst of covid which mm-hmm. is which is also in the midst of they're having this huge economic crisis mm-hmm. um so it was just like it's been one thing after another like horrible things that have happened in lebanon um but yeah, I think they said like 300,000 people were left homeless after mm-hmm. that explosion. Wow. And not only did it like damage people's homes and people were left homeless and injured and killed and all those things, but it also just affected the infrastructure and businesses. There's and a lot of just c- civil unrest around it, right? Like wasn't there a lot yeah, of... Because yeah, because they're already protests. unhappy with their government right, and that right. was another government like mishandling basically. Right, it, right. Wasn't, it wasn't purposeful, like the explosion wasn't purposeful, it was an accident, but... It should have never happened, basically. So, yeah, um, we went we went into it knowing we were going to be kind of dealing with some of the aftermath of that. And um, and Play for Peace is an organization. It's a YWAM uh, ministry built around teaching kids the values of peace and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Because there's like 18 different factions in Lebanon. You've got Muslim, and then you've got two different kinds of of Shia right, and Sunni, right. and then Christian, you've got Catholic, Evangelical, uh, Maronite. Maronite, which is similar to Catholic. Um, and then, but on those spectrum, you have people like basically 18 different 
groups of right, people. Right, right. And they had a civil war, like, from 75 to 90. And, like, Christians were fighting Christians. Muslims were fighting Muslims. Muslims were fighting Christians. Like, it's just crazy. There's so much stuff going on there. Um, so their hope is to teach children how to be at peace with one another, like, despite mm-hmm. our differences. And they do that, like, through playing soccer. Um, and... I don't know. It's it's a it's an awesome ministry. We thought we were gonna actually we thought we were gonna be involved. Josh and I did. We thought we were gonna be involved the majority of our time with that ministry, um, which did not turn out to be the case. But uh, then there's also um, the food distribution that we wanted to do to help like people who had been without food and uh, necessities since that explosion and before. Um, there was Kids Alive International, which works with. Um, Okay, let me see if I can get this right. Syrian Bedouin gypsy (laughs) Muslim girls from the ages of like 12 to 16 to give them education and keep them from early marriage and trafficking, basically, because a lot of them will get married at 14. Right. So they don't see any point in being educated because they're just going to be in the home. Um, So this ministry gives them like an opportunity to learn life skills, learn English, learn to read and write, and... um, keeps them out of that environment and um what else did we have we had we ended up doing the kids club but that wasn't planned was that it okay and um so when we got there we we had to quarantine for three days we had to get a negative covid test and then we'd be able to go out we were able to go out for like two days but we ended up doing just like orientation and then right after that was Easter weekend. So we had a three day lockdown for Easter weekend. So basically like we had seven days of lockdown in our first 10 days in Lebanon. So we were like, Oh my gosh, like (laughs) what are we doing here? Right? Like what is the point of this? But in that time we were confined to our apartment. We got to build relationships with like all these kids and families that live in that apartment complex, which was awesome. Like we'd go up to the roof. There'd be tons of kids. And, um, over the course of that week, uh, a new ministry started like in the courtyard of our apartment complex where we were just doing kids club with, the, with the neighborhood kids. And, um, after we were able to get out of lockdown, Josh and I were supposed to go to play for peace in Beirut and it was going to be in the mornings, but then the schedule switched and it was just going to be in the afternoons, which didn't work for our family because of Reimer, she still naps. And so we were just kind of left thinking like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, we don't have anything to do. Where are we going to go? We've got to do something. Like, and we also felt very, very strongly from the Lord that our family was supposed to stay together. Not like Josh go for a day, me go for a day, right, switch right. back and forth. Like we wanted our kids to be like part of the ministry that was happening, not just along for the ride. So um, the kids club developed that f- kind of that first and second week. And because our, our ministry stuff got messed up, they put us uh, working with kids kids club which was awesome because it was like literally in our apartment building um and it was like two hours in the morning two hours in the afternoon tuesday through friday and then we we did other ministry stuff on the weekends but like we had already started building relationships with these kids because our kids are playing with their kids uh, i mean with the kids and then we started building relationships with the parents because it just mm-hmm. naturally happens especially in that culture like come over for dinner come over for tea like come over for dessert and they're just super hospitable so we started building these amazing relationships um however our host was like we cannot share the gospel at kids club because it was the premise was just that we were hanging out like just hanging out with the kids teaching them english like playing games it was not i don't want to say it was not sold but it was not the 
the understanding of it was not like a Bible study or like a mm-hmm. VBS. Right. Um, and yeah, you don't want to like bait and switch. Yeah, yeah. I was you about know? to say like, you want to bait and switch these parents. <laughs> no, no, because right. they're they're all Syrian Muslims. Mm-hmm. And um and you're not allowed to like proselytize kids under eighteen. Mm-hmm. So like you could get in really big trouble basically. And so um all we did was just we taught English, we taught like life values. Um, we did skits. We played games. Like we literally just hung out with kids and just had a blast. I really want to see Josh McClung in a skit. <laughs> oh, Josh is uh, like I'm top a skit notch. master. Top <laughs> notch. You want him in your skit? Yeah. Trust me. Oh, he's well, not I'll embarrassed sure, to yeah. go all out. No, like, make a fool of himself. We need to yeah. see this at some point. Yeah. No, I'm what, sure we have video. Yeah, we probably do have yeah. video. What I love <laughs> about this story, just that you're sharing so far, is that it's like, oh man, like these seven days nearly of lockdown mm-hmm. right here at the beginning are just way wasted yeah. when in reality it's like laying the foundation Absolutely. for what you're yeah. going to be doing for the rest of the time it's mm-hmm. right. it's almost as if somebody planned yeah. all of that yeah. before you got there right that's something that for sure god's been teaching us not just in this outreach but in previous i mean going back to even infertility issues that we had in our marriage like to when we have expectations that laying those down and just allowing god to move and do what he's going to do and trusting that what he has for us is better than what we could plan for or imagine, then it turns out better, better than what, than we, what yeah, we hoped. Better yeah. than what we could have hoped. And if, wow. you know, we've talked about since even coming back here, if you had told us before we went to Lebanon, you're going to spend 90% of your time in your apartment building, then we would have been like, that is such a disappointment. <laughs> right, Why are we right, even going? Right. <laughs> All right, let's stop the fundraising and just stay here because yeah. we don't want to spend We can do that here or whatever. You know. But yeah, by the time we were leaving, and to conclude what Meg was saying, I'll, can I finish it? Or yeah, you good. Um, so she said we couldn't we couldn't talk to the kids about Jesus, but then we talked to our host again, and we said after like five weeks, yeah, after five because we were feeling this tension. We're leaving. We've been there five weeks. We're leaving in two weeks, and we haven't right. told these kids. I mean, they know we're Christians. They know we're from America, and they know that we. I think they sense something different in us because their idea of Christianity is what they see in movies and what they see on TV shows of America. Oh, which is everything, always yeah. awesome. Yeah. So everything <laughs> right. they associate super yeah. accurate. Yeah. So everything they associate with Amer- with Christianity is probably like. Fast and Furious or Disney movies or something, but um, they, so one of our hosts had told us that while we were playing with the kids, he was watching the parents and he could notice that they were um, just trusting us and that they were um, just loving that we were spending time and investing time in their children. And eventually the, some of the parents started coming out and interacting with us and sharing with us and then inviting our team to dinners at night. So we would go break the, um, Oh, the yeah. last month Ramadan of, was yeah the, so the last the month that we were there was Ramadan so they were having these big elaborate dinners with a full spread of just every kind of Mediterranean food you could imagine on a tarp <laughs> in the middle a of a room <laughs> and you sit on the side and you, they just load you up with everything because in Ramadan course. they fast all day yeah, yeah. so no it's all just eat at night yeah. yeah no food no, no water, water no any, yeah water no anything so even they the go kids. yeah even wow. a lot of the kids so that was tough with Kids Club, too, trying yeah, to do skits. Yeah, can you imagine? In yeah. the afternoons, they haven't had food or water yeah. all day, and they're just like, oh. so, <laughs> yeah, it's 90 tough. degrees mm-hmm. outside. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, but no. So it was incredible because we got to just um, hang out with families, and there was no um, no pressure. Like, we were just there to build relationships, and we knew that that was the, most thing, the greatest thing we could do as far as um, speaking into the Muslim's life is to just build a relationship with them and love on them as best we can and hope that they would see Christ through us. But when we were invited into the homes, we could start to share a little bit that we were, listen, this is what we believe. This is why we're here, but it still wasn't the opportunity that we were hoping for with the, with the children. Um, so with a couple of weeks left, um, we went back to our host and said, what are, 
what are the chances we could just start sharing out of the Bible with the kids? And he went to each of the family's parents and asked them if it would be okay for our group to share. And they all said yes. All, all these Muslim wow. families that had this group of American Christians come over said, yeah, sure, teach our kids about the Bible. So oh, wow. <laughs> just for that to happen was such like a mountain moving for us and mm-hmm. so life-giving. So, And then we, of course, with that, even most of the kids didn't even speak English. So we had to get a, get a translator lined up, which was available some days, not some days. So we were still kind of working through issues. But we were able to sh- share um, a good bit of Jesus' teachings and some of the miracles he performed um, the last day that we were there, Meg told the story using the godly play of um, the, last the Last Supper, Supper and you know Jesus revealing his purpose with the disciples that he was about to die. And then that night we hosted a kind of a going away party for all the kids that had been coming to Kids Club. We told them, you know, go invite your family. We're going to have pizza and stuff. And they took family very. Let me say something, <laughs> something real quick. Like when we first started Kids yeah. Club, there were probably like 10 kids yeah. that were coming. Mm-hmm. And by the end we had over 20 mm-hmm. yeah and um just it was cool going back looking through pictures yeah, and seeing like, like the, the kids week. that came that first week who we didn't know yet mm-hmm. you know and then got to know very well and mm-hmm. then by the end you know they had told their friends and more kids were coming right, and right, we had right. over mm-hmm. 20 kids so mm-hmm. go ahead yeah so we had a 20 20 something kids and we told them to go invite your family they took that very liberally and invited their friends their family their <laughs> their, their aunts, cousins their, their aunts uncles, uncles. So we had 50, 60 Syrian wow. Muslims yeah. show up for this going away dinner. Wow. Yeah. And before that, even we had asked our hosts again, we went back to him and said, Hey, we're going to have this going away party. It's our last time to see these families. Can we just share the gospel with them? And he's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so we're like, awesome. So we had invited, and it, I mean, it wasn't quite a bait and switch, but they were excited to be there and they, they got a good meal and, um, yeah, so they can eat as soon as, as soon as, uh, the sun goes down, they can eat and, I think I prayed right before the meal and I was standing in front of the the water and it was like a bull rush. I mean, they just can't, they just come running because <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're right. And, so and then the food, like, I've never seen, we had pizza and shawarma and it was decimated. It was and like locusts. Like, people, like, yeah. Descended. It these was, families would grab, like they'd have their little setup and they'd grab whole pizzas and whole like yeah. shawarma. They'd was, have like two liter awesome. drinks and just take them. Oh yeah. Goodness. So, but I know, I everybody think at one point ate. Oliver was like, they took a whole bottle of Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's okay. Yeah, they haven't drank all day. They can have it. Yeah. It's okay. But yeah. it was, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. It and then so after good. after we finished up, we had a, um, a couple on our team play some worship songs. And then we had, um, we shared the gospel and um, offered Josh prayer. Josh did. It yeah. was awesome. Yeah, I shared um, a little bit. And um and we had that night one girl receive salvation. Yeah, we had wow. been in the kids club and it was wow. really the only salvation of our trip. And it's, it's kind that of a, just of, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and this is what, um, I shared when we got back from our trip with our base is that, you know, and what we had hoped for even before going there and what you get to do a lot of times on outreach, when you go to these places where you're not evangelizing to believers, you're evangelizing to people that maybe are of a different culture or a different religion. Um, you hope to be a, a chain. No, a link in the chain. I said it wrong. I said it wrong. A link in the chain. He said chain in the link. Oh, okay. You hope to be a link in the chain. You have to be a seed that's planted or some kind of, right. you know, you just plant an idea or right. even like an idea or a thought that could be construed as maybe they, maybe I do need to reconsider my beliefs or maybe I do need to think about who, who Jesus is. They've mm-hmm. told me something that's new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hope to just have some kind of, um, I don't know, some kind of um, seed that you can plant in somebody's head. And so for most of the kids that were there and most of the families, I think that's what we were. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't 
see them give their lives to Christ, we at least shifted their paradigm. And some of the feedback we even got from the fathers, from the mothers, from some of the kids is that they had never been in a Christian home before. And we were able to host them and have them come into our our apartment and give them a meal. They'd never spent this amount of time with Christians at any time in their life. So, I mean, these are 50, 60-year-old Syrian parents all the way down to three, four-year-old kids who forever are going to remember, or maybe not forever, but like these kids will definitely, the older ones will remember this forever, that they had this, these Christians come over and pour out love for them. And we hope Mm -hmm. that even if they couldn't understand what we were speaking, they could understand the love that we were sharing with them and see Christ through us, through our, just our love of them. So, but we did have one salvation and it was amazing. And she was one of our, she was 11 years old. And one of the girls that was on our team had been teaching her ukulele and that night gave her the ukulele to, um, oh, kind of continue continue learning, and awesome. yeah. so her family was one of the ones that had had us into their night, had us into their um, home at night for Ramadan, and they come over to our place, and they were they were really incredible, and we we still continue to message some of the families back and forth, and some of the kids back and wow. forth. So, yeah, it's really it was really life giving, and we were man, we were right on the coast. I mean, this was like oh nice, this was like uh, ministry outreach, like the best you could hope for as far as location. We were like above the Mediterranean sea, like on our roof, we just watched the sunset every night, run up and down the the boardwalk. And if we had a little break, go out on the beach. And even that was like interesting. You'd meet, we met a family and within 10 minutes, they're like, Hey, I want to come back to our house for dinner some night. I mean, it's it's very much a culture of like hospitality. Hospitality goes a long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really incredible. We hope to make it back someday and, see some of the kids after they've yeah. probably grown up a little bit yeah. by the time we get back. That was so good. It was mm. such a, like, just what Josh was saying, I mean, as far as expectations, like, we definitely didn't end up doing what we expected to do, mm-hmm. but like you said, the Lord had something so much better for us, and it was just awesome because our kids were a, like, an open door for the families, um, because family is a big deal to them, and so our kids playing with their, their kids just provided so much of an open door for us. Mm-hmm to build relationships with them. And I don't know. um, Sometimes I think people think it's, you know, it's hard to be in ministry with your Mm -hmm. kids and it is, but it's just really sweet to be able to see what the Lord can do in and through Mm -hmm. them as well. Even a Mm -hmm. three-year-old and a seven-year-old, you know, and it was so sweet. I will never forget this on, I think the second week we were up on the roof and the family that we got so close with, they were just like sweeping the roof and they, hardly speak a, spoke a lick of English, and we, of course, don't speak any Arabic. So we just went up there, though, me and the kids. Josh was gone. I can't remember where, but – and just started helping them sweep, you know. And, um, yeah, and Oliver looked over at Wale, and he was like, Mom, this is an opportunity for ministry. <laughs> and then he, like, ran over to her, and he was like, do you know who made you? <laughs> Which she didn't understand at all. Yeah. But, like, it was just so sweet for him to be in the moment and recognize, like, the value of spending Mm -hmm. time with people and just helping serve. And I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah. It was so good. I'm just glad that we, you know, like, stuck to what the Lord Mm -hmm. spoke to us about staying with our family and that that door was open to us to to do ministry with all the kids. And it ended up being so much better than what we thought it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I mean, we were leaving and I was crying and Oliver was crying. Oliver is he is very tenderhearted. So yeah. when we say goodbye anytime, he is the first one to. Oh, he was wailing. Just start crying. Yeah. He had made some good buddies over there. Actually, one of his best friends there, well, he had a 19-year-old that was one of his best friends, and then his other best friend was two weeks younger than him. They're both almost the same age, and his name was Ollie. Yeah. 
A-L-I. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we had Ollie and Ollie, and we'd uh, call for one of them, and they'd both come around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was awesome. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and I hear that you came back with a deep love and passion for Turkish coffee. Oh, no. I'm not a fan <laughs> of Turkish coffee. That's why I'm so bad. It it's is. Like, I mean, you, you're you basically the, drinking coffee grounds. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Like, yeah. And it, yeah. It's like coffee grounds after they've been in like an ashtray for a little while or something. <laughs> Like burnt a little bit. It's yeah. so bad. I've always it's heard. Like, <laughs> I've always heard tall tale of it. You know, at, at Naji's right up the hill, they uh, sell they, Le- they sell Lebanese coffee. Uh-huh. You know, I've always been curious. I have too. Like. Interesting. I've always I seen the sign. I'm like, should I? I try. Should I try that today? <laughs> yeah. Is today the day? Oh no. Today well, is not. Yeah. The day. yeah. yeah. No, don't don't, don't do it. Day. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for sharing. Uh, all of that. Yeah. It's, it's just so it's awesome fun. just to, to get to hear and especially to get to take the time to really kind of hear the specifics yeah. and those specific stories mm-hmm. and just incredible how the Lord was working and providing every step mm-hmm. of the way. And Yeah, so so tell us maybe just briefly, and you may not even know fully like the details, but but what is, what's the next steps? Y'all are home for yeah. just a little bit, but what, yeah, yeah, what's next? More weeks. Yeah, we're a little bit nomadic right now. I think we'll be on our fifth place tonight to spend the night in the last week or so. Oh, yeah, so today we're just Reimer was like, Mom, where are we living tonight? <laughs> yeah, just like, like, it's kind so of heartbreaking. Yeah, out of an, yeah. yeah, they're just along for the ride, but they, they do very well. Wait, yeah. I have to I think share this. Hold on. <laughs> when we were in Denver, uh-huh. remember, and Reimer was kind uh-huh. of losing it, and she said, I was like, Reimer, are you ready to go home? And she said, Mommy, where is home? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even yeah. know. It can, yeah, we don't even know, baby. We'll, we'll let you know when we figure it out. Oh, it, like, tore my heart out. Yeah. I was actually yeah. adding it up. We've been to, we've spent the night at close to 30 places in the last wow. year. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting, but it's been fun and it's been a journey. Um, but from here, we're, we actually just purchased an RV. That we're going to be living in nice. for Always. the foreseeable future, probably at least a year. Um, the campus that we have done our classes at in Texas is going to be where we are staying the next year. Um, so if anybody wants to come visit, we would be happy to have it's you. It's awesome. It's and like a 300 a whole something team. Yeah. acre ranch with like lakes. Lakes, and pool, volleyball, farm. soccer fields. Gen- I mean, it's cool. a huge area. So is there fishing in these? Oh, areas? there's no, fishing. Definitely. Yeah, plenty I'm of fishing. Coming. Yes, yeah. it's awesome. Um, so yeah, there there's not there's housing for families that are um, our students, but not for when you first come on staff. So we felt uh, like we wanted to be on the campus. So the only way to do that is to live in an RV. They have the hookups and everything for us. So awesome. we got yeah. an RV. We haven't even seen it yet. It's, we bought it from here, <laughs> yeah. and it's, in, it's Texas, in Texas, and it's getting delivered. So <laughs> yeah. I hope that we like it. But um, oh, but it was the most economical, frugal way w- that we could go about living for the next year. So even uh, even an RV will be a lot more room than we're used to because we've been in basically in the same room with our kids for the better part of the last year. So yeah. it's Ooh, been two bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, so even, even two bedrooms is that quite, was number one quite on the luxury. Yeah, yeah. Quite the luxury. Right. But, um, but yeah, we'll be there. And anytime anybody wants to come, there's a hotel on the base. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so when are you guys going things? back there? We'll be back uh, the, 20th the 20th of, yeah, June. of okay. June. So we've just got a few more weeks before we head back. Yeah. And there for at least a year. Yeah, um, we'll be there for a year. We'll be considered staff in training for the mm-hmm. first year. But we're hoping to help staff the f- next family DTS, which starts uh, June 27th. Yeah. So if anybody's interested, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, there's still, still time room. There's still time. And... Um, after that, we will just be, I don't know, I'll be homeschooling Oliver mm-hmm. part-time and then working a job like on the base. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what yet part-time. And then Josh will be 
I don't know. At that point, maybe you'll have something full-time. Yeah, it'll probably be grounds, maintenance, something like yeah. student, student communications. There's all sorts know, there's of all jobs sorts. to keep a campus that big going, and they also right. support multiple other campuses that have been kind of established under their umbrella, which uh, is what our hope would be potentially long-term is to move with uh, Aaron and Greg Skrbarczyk, um, who have been in ministry in Poland for 15, 17, 17 years, um, to help them establish a base in Poland where we could also train and equip other people um, and yeah, run and schools. Yeah, and run uh, discipleship training schools. Yeah, there. there hasn't been a – I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of bases around the world, but there's not one in Poland. There hasn't been for a couple like of decades. So, so we would like to, at some point – So that's, that's so the ultimate that's goal. That's our long-term goal, but we aren't – you know, we have no timeline for that. We've learned to not make our own <laughs> timelines. Yeah, or even and like so, what we think yeah, that's going to look or like. Or even if, if that's what it'll look like. So we have no idea. We have no plan. But we're just – and one of the things that actually God has been speaking to us since even, I guess, the school evangelism started was this word just to be ready and to prepare ourselves for what may come and um, and to continue just to grow in our knowledge and in our faith and in our um, discipleship of what – what God could be calling us to. If it isn't Poland where we feel like we're being led to right now, then it could be something else. And so we continue to kind of move towards and make progress towards that calling. But if it changes, then we will continue to um, just wait and see where, where God leads us. Awesome. Yeah. The great thing about why William Tyler is just because of the size of it and Mm -hmm. all the different ministries that they have there and they've sent out so many missionaries, like their motto is a discipling blade a discipling base that pioneers. Mm. And so, I mean, we want to grow in discipleship and we want a pioneer base. So it's kind of the perfect place for us to be, (laughs) even though like we originally thought we were going to go to Hawaii to do our family school. But (laughs) again, the Lord's plans are so Mm -hmm. much better than our own and our um, school. And if we told you Tyler, Texas will be better than (laughs) Hawaii. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been like, okay. Yeah, whatever. But our family school leadership that will like be mentoring us, um, at least especially Mm. while we're helping with the family school are some of the best people that we could have to mentor us. Mm -hmm. So we're super excited just to be in that environment and to grow in discipleship and Mm -hmm. to grow in serving. And it's like, we're waiting, but at the same time we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. So it's just such an awesome place. Like we don't feel like we're standing still and we don't feel like we're on hold. Like we're still making steps toward going where we feel like the Lord is calling us. And, um, I think it'll be the perfect yeah. place for us to be. So we're one excited. Of our, one of our teachers, one of the things he said was God moves through the people that are moving. So I feel like this is us moving and continuing to pursue that. And one of the uh, things we felt like God was calling us to is to go with a team and not just go as our family. So we've continued to hear feedback from even other families that potentially might be on the base this summer is that Poland's at one of the countries God has placed on their hearts. And mm. one of the girls that just finished the DTS school was from Poland or her family's Polish and she may have an interest there, so we're continuing to kind of pursue that. And there's just there's people from you know all over the world that are at this base. There's different different countries represented and ethnicities and cultures. So we're just hoping that in the midst of all of this, God will continue to call people that would like to come alongside of us, yeah. even if they're not at the base. Maybe they're listening right now. Yeah, <laughs> well, come on. Poland could on, be on, well. On, on that note, um, kind of three final, just quick questions because uh-huh. uh, you kind of mentioned earlier like if people had an interest uh, in YWAM and doing a DTS and all Mm -hmm. that if people wanted to ask you more questions about YWAM about a DTS Mm -hmm. what's the easiest way for them to contact you Mm. 
text or email. Yeah, we can post that in the show notes or something. Yeah, y'all can <laughs> yeah. post our. Yeah, we can put, uh, we can put our, e- our emails, put our emails in there. Yeah, yeah put, put our, our email, email and we'd love to answer anybody's questions. You know, I think this is something that, obviously, min- ministry and long term missions has been a calling that I feel like we've been kind of pursuing for I don't know years and years, and we obviously don't feel like everybody's called to long term mis- ministry, and it can be you know missions can be different for every single person but if it is something that people feel like their family would like to get more information on then we'd for sure like to right. answer that because there's or even if you don't have a family sc- yeah or even if you don't have a family yeah. for sure we will answer anybody's mm-hmm. question yeah because remember so. you can do ywam from 13 <laughs> yeah. till uh-huh. the day uh, you die <laughs> right, right yeah um Second quick question. Um, y'all are still fundraising for right. this segment of mm-hmm. yeah. of what you're doing. So if people wanted to support y'all in ministry, mm-hmm. uh, how would they do that? We have a link actually uh, that through we can put in the Shades show notes? Valley. Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. our we'll it's like our landing, our mm-hmm. Shades Valley giving landing page for our yeah. ministry. Our goal, our Perfect. like minimum is thirteen hundred a month. Um, as a family for monthly support, like Mm -hmm. committed monthly support. I think we'll probably end up needing more than that just with bills and everything, but um, we're getting close. So Mm -hmm. it's just been awesome to see how the Lord has provided for us, not only for our DTS and then again, our SOE, but like even now with monthly support fundraising. So so. so like one-time gifts are helpful, but even more helpful would be, even if somebody can only give like five, 10 bucks a month, just every little bit helps in that system. We really are like interested in having people partner with us, especially when we talk about people who's maybe God is calling somebody to be a housewife or to raise their children or to a job, to be an engineer or whatever I was before. (laughs) But um, I mean, God can call you to that. I feel like it's very um, important to know that God is calling you to that and not be kind of not listening to God and not be aware of what God's calling you to. Um, But if God is calling you to, you know, be one of those what we call tent makers and, you know, pursue a job. And um, I think we are wanting to partner with you and maybe have opportunities for you to um, support us financially or support whoever else you're called to support. Um, And any amount can help for sure. And now that we're transitioning out of uh, just one time fundraising, so we did our DTS and our outreaches and those were kind of just like one time expenses. Now we are kind of moving into this long term um, kind of sustainability um, where we'll, we will need monthly support. We do have, you know, ongoing bills and everything. So that is very much appreciated. And we'd like to, you know, connect with anybody who would be interested in coming alongside of us with that. Awesome. Um, and just final question, like what would be one or two things that just are, are like top priority as far as ways that we and people can be praying for y'all? I'll just say, like for transitions, especially mm-hmm. because we have kids, um, mm-hmm. we are looking, our next year is looking like it's going to be a little bit more settled, <laughs> thankfully, than our <laughs> last see. year has. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, you know, we're, we're going to try to get into rhythm, try to get back into a groove of daily life and, and finding that rhythm, um, finding some normalcy again. And uh, yeah, just how to do that, how to order our days. Um how to prioritize, you know, just all the things that go with having a family, but also being in ministry. And, um, I guess secondly would be the future just for wisdom about, um, where to go, when to go, who to go with all, all of those things. Like we are committed to doing what the Lord is wants us to do, even though we don't necessarily know what that looks like. And we trust that he is going to make a way for us and, um, work out the details. And that's been our experience. It's just that like when we commit 
to doing what the Lord is calling us to do. He is so faithful Mm -hmm. to um, just provide everything that we need. And, but we also want to be, you know, proactive in, in making steps and making connections, building relationships, all those things that, that we can do on our end to help facilitate uh, that vision and that calling to take place. Mm-hmm. So is there anything that you would add? No, that's good. I mean, I, just in the short term, just this move, some of yeah. the transition is just like, We've got boxes and boxes in the back of the show. Oh, shirt. gosh. We yeah. just, that's where we came from. Overwhelming. We're all dusty and, and, yeah. and sweaty. <laughs> it's a good thing this is a podcast, not a video yeah. interview. Um, our, yeah, all just, of our stuff is in storage in the yeah, back of the church. We're not even sure how to balance everything or get everything there, and we don't even know what kind of space we'll have there. But, yeah, just yeah. this move over the next couple of weeks, and while we don't even have a, a home to live in, is a little bit of a trying time. But uh, once we get settled, it'll all – and then just, like, settling into our – whatever our roles and responsibilities will be on the base while we're, while we're there just, and just knowing, you know, how to build relationships there and how to kind of pursue people. Um, the students that are there along with the staff that have been there for years and years, um, they've got a lot of amazing people there. So just those connections and those relationships that we built. And then, yeah, we want to, we want to uh, take like very good advantage of the time that we have while we're there. So mm-hmm. not just get lost in the day to day. How can people sign up for the newsletter? Because I know there's a email yeah, we that a goes out. Yeah, mm. we have a uh, we have a Mailchimp account that we send our newsletters on when we can. <laughs> Just <laughs> less consistent than it should be. Um, I I guess I will. We can post that. Too. I will give you it's that information as well. We mm. may be switching to a different but server, for now, but for okay, now, the way, yeah, the way okay. to sign up. Yeah. yeah. Just look in the show notes. We'll try yeah. and put yeah. everything. We'll try to get everything there. I'll put some stuff in the Instagram mm-hmm. yeah. caption. So. Oh, and we've got our our um, McClung's with a mission Instagram account, yeah. which is also mm-hmm. a good place to okay. follow. Yeah, I think it has a link in that to our newsletter. Yeah, oh, yeah. perfect, that's true. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can just keep following links. links yeah, on links, link on links. Yeah, all the way down. Well, awesome. Well, thank you all so much just for taking time oh, uh, to come and hang out with us and update everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, good to be back. And we hope mm-hmm. to get to hear a little bit more from you all on, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Maybe for having us. Next time we'll come back. No telling where we've been to. Right. I know, right? Yeah. I could not have guessed that I was going to have gone to the Middle East this year. That yeah. was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll meet. It's a date. We'll meet you all back here right. a year from all now. Right. Yeah. In a year. Plan on every June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, like, if you want to follow uh, Josh and Meg, look in the show Mm -hmm. notes, get all of the information about Mm -hmm. uh, what they're doing and and updates into the future and how you can participate in their ministry and pray for them. But we thank you for listening to this interview. This has been another episode of Shades Midweek. We will see you next time.